We saw what a nice word in Parshas Kisisu, a word from the Toldus Yitzchak. Puzik says, Usha le yarbe vada le yamet, right? Machza sheikel. So he touches like this, Usha means somebody who is rich. What does a rich person mean? What's the real richness? When somebody does a lot of Torah mitzvahs, that's a, that's a rich person, very wealthy, very good maizm toivim. What is a dal? Somebody who's poor means that he's not doing uh, what he should. Very poor. He's, he doesn't have the Torah mitzvahs that he should have. He says, Usha lo yarbe, the one who is doing a lot of good things, lo yarbe, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be full of himself. He shouldn't be mezgur. He shouldn't be a balgai, you know, I'm doing such great things. Vadal, the person who's not doing so great, lo yamet. He shouldn't be too small, meaning, he shouldn't, he shouldn't um, belittle the value of something he could do. Just because you didn't do a lot of Torah mitzvahs, just because you're not doing everything you should, doesn't mean that you should think or be mazal in the of one small good deed. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be too little for you. The machzis ha-shekel. He says, shekel is a solution from um, um, weighing down. Right? And the Mishnah says that uh, with one good deed, a person could be machrias, atzmevis, kolayim, kidil, kafschis. Somebody could, could tip the scale for the whole world just by doing one good thing. Even going just forward, even if the past wasn't so great, but going forward, you could, you could tip the scale of the whole world with one good thing. So even if things weren't so great, you shouldn't think too little of yourself or of the significance of your, of your maizim, because with one little thing you could really accomplish a lot. Now this is a general, you know, a more lesson for all of us in our personal life, in our Hashem. When it comes to relationship also, very often people see themselves in a negative light, and sometimes rightfully so. Sometimes rightfully so. You have people who you have people who say it sometimes, you know, I'm not a good husband. I'm not. I'm, I'm just not there for my wife. I don't have, or I'm not a good friend. I'm not, I'm not a good parent. I don't do what I should. And then people get this negative self-image. I'm saying even when they're right, I'm not talking about somebody just being self-critical and, and, and uh, you know, blaming themselves in the wrong way or just because someone told them they're no good. Even, even when somebody really is not doing the best they should. But that negative self-image that makes a person think like, okay, so I'm anyway no good. Why should I even bother? Right? I'm anyway not home for my kids ever, so why should I go home five minutes earlier? Why should I spend some time with them? You know, what's, what's, what's it really going to mean, the big picture, when I anyway don't do what I should? Why should I say something nice? I'm anyway so critical. And that's something that's a big mistake. And that's the hadal yamit yamit You never know what little, what little things could accomplish. And such as the little things. Little things add up to big things. It all starts with something small. So sometimes somebody will both um, not take seriously the impact of a small thing that he could accomplish, just because in the big picture he doesn't think highly of himself or think uh, too much of, 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 of what he does. And, and sometimes you don't realize that, yeah, you'll, you'll become a better person when you slowly start doing small things and believe in them, and believe in their impact and their significance. So that's a tremendous lesson, a lesson that we should learn and, and not be too self-critical or too, um, you know, look at ourselves in, in, in too bad of a light and just think that that's it. I'm, I'm anyway no good. And I hear people tell me all the time, I'm, I'm anyway not a good husband, I'm anyway not a good wife, I'm anyway this, I'm anyway that. And those pictures that we paint of ourselves, you know, just uh, aren't good. It's funny, I'm saying these words, pictures you paint of yourself. I was at a simple recently, um, out of town, and there were people there that are, have heard a lot of sure of mine, but not online. They, they weren't watching me, they were just hearing me on my phone line. For those of you who don't know, I have a phone line. We could hear a lot of Shirem, 718-841-8400. And it was funny because in the same minute, two people told me something so, so contradictory. One person tells me, oh, you're Shimon Green, I wasn't expecting you to look like such a chsidish in Gaman, with a chsidish levish, and a full beard, and pious. I don't know, I guess based on what he heard from me, he thought that I was looking different. And then someone else comes over to me, mamish, like uh, two minutes apart, tells me, you're Shimon Green, oh, I would assume that you would have a bright uh, uh, rabbi shahid with a long white beard. For some reason, his picture of Shimon Green was something about, uh, you know, a big mechanach that looks like some old wise man, and uh, something that 
something that would uh, be deserving of more respect, some kind of image that he wasn't expecting to see to see me look like this. Anyway, my point is just that it's funny how people paint pictures in their head. You have two people who heard the same Magachir, and they both had a very different idea of what he's supposed to look like, um, and then you're surprised to see who it really is. Uh, my point being that sometimes people paint pictures of themselves. Sometimes people have a picture of what they look like, not even realizing that the real picture might be something totally different. It's very possible that on the outside people see you differently. They perceive you as something either better or worse, and it's always interesting to take into consideration that you might have your own picture of yourself, which... If that picture is helping you do the right thing, then that's great, regardless of how true it is. But if it's a picture that's making you do the wrong thing, you know, the hadal, you're, you're self-identifying as somebody whose whose actions or deeds are not significant. That that's a problem, and that's somebody that Torah is teaching us uh, that's no good. So let me let me go into a question over here. It's a long question. Actually, with a stick of follow-up email that I got after that, uh, but I think it's important to to read it. So bear with me, dear Bagruin. First of all, thank you so much for your weekly shurim. I listen to it every week and I'm greatly inspired. Hashem should bless you with lots of bracha. Amen. Thank you. I have a question to ask. I would appreciate it if you can give me some clarity. So I think if I'm not mistaken, at the end, I was asked to change some details. And I, I always say this. I, I wish I could change identifying details. Unless you're talking about age and the number of kids, which is not so identifying. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that have the number of kids ranging from 1 to 20. So, and, and all kinds of ages. I members don't, don't see things that are identifying, but anyway, try to change those small details. But in general, people see their situations as something that's identifying, and it's, it's not identifying. It's not, if there's something identifying about your question, which means that you're the only one asking this question, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be talking about it in public, so let me just say that much. Okay. I'm a young mother of four little children, Kanai Nahara. My husband's a wonderful person, and in general, a wonderful husband, in general, a wonderful person. He has a very easygoing personality, while I'm just the opposite, quite intense and more rigid. Though we both changed somewhat, both leaning more towards middle ground, I'm always afraid not to be the strong wife with a tame husband. I don't want this to happen. A major area where I have this issue is when I need help from him with the children. It's sometimes very stressful when I have to ask him nicely to help me, I feel like I'm plotting. For example, when the baby's crying, the older kids are doing wild stuff, and the house is flying, and it's Shabbos, it's very hard for me to stop and ask nicely, can you please pick up the baby? I feel like saying, don't you see what's going on here? Additionally, even when I ask my husband to help to help me, in the back of my mind, I never expect him to say that he can't, since I need his help, I can't manage without it. I feel like it comes out more as commands. I already asked my husband if he can rather help without me asking him specifically what I need, what I need help with, since I feel that way I don't sort of boss him and tell him what to help, but he doesn't feel comfortable doing this. He says it's hard for him to know by himself what needs to be done, and I should specifically tell him. I don't like the feelings of being a bossy wife. When I hear of women asking questions, such as how to respond to a tougher husband, I sometimes think that they're lucky to have a tough, assertive husband. I would love for my husband to be more assertive and take a stronger role as a husband and a father. Even regarding chinuch, he would ask me what to do in a lot of cases when he doesn't know how to respond to the kids. Once again, my husband is a wonderful husband and father. His weakness is actually something that I strive to be flexible and easygoing. So basically my question is, how can I be less of a strong-willed wife, especially since this is my nature, and let my husband be the strong husband and father, especially during stressful and hectic times? Another question, which might be linked to my first one, is that my husband comes home. Right? If I say what time he comes home, does anyone know who that is? Okay, he comes home 6.30 every day while I work twice a week. The days that I work, I sometimes feel like I'm collapsing by 6 p.m. and I'm desperate for some help. These days, I sometimes beg him to come home a little earlier to help me with the kids, and as soon as he walks through the door, I ask him to help me with the kids. I feel mean sometimes that I don't give him the time to relax from work first, but I can't handle it by then. I feel like I also come home from work with all the kids together and don't have downtime either. My question is, am I not being feared by begging him to come home earlier on stressful days and asking for help right away? 
Just to clarify, I don't think I'm a mean bossy wife, but there are times that are stressful and it's hard for me to stay calm and collected. I constantly try to work on my shalom bias. This is my number one priority. And we both have an excellent shalom bias, in my husband's words, because we are constantly busy trying to get this and that part of our shalom bias better. We probably have a deeper, more meaningful relationship, Baruch Hashem. We constantly discuss our struggles very openly, Baruch Hashem. I'm just, trying, I'm just telling you this since I reread what I wrote and, it, and I feel that it paints me as a mean and bossy wife with no feelings. Okay. And then the follow-up was, I, don't, I know you didn't address my previous question yet. Okay, sorry if it takes a while. However, I do have another question for you. Maybe both questions are even one and the same. I'm trying very hard to show respect to my husband. He never demands it, though, but I want to give it to him so much. He's very easygoing and doesn't make an issue if I don't talk to him respectfully. However, I know that he does want me to respect him more since he once told me this in an honest and vulnerable moment. I responded to him that, that I want to respect him. However, my nature is to be more strong and that I'm a natural leader. And since he's more of a follower and not very strong, it's hard for me. My question basically is, how can I talk to my husband respectfully and honor him, even though according to our natures, he's the one following me rather than the opposite? Should I try to change my nature to become more timid and low-key? Thank you in advance. Okay, that's an excellent question. That's an excellent question. And this woman is writing that when she hears other questions, she sometimes thinks, oh, if only I would have that struggle, not this struggle. Now, again, there's a lot that you can learn just from hearing questions alone. Um, sometimes when you're hearing a question, first of all, like I mentioned often, you already know that you're not the only one dealing with a certain situation. That's one. Another thing you get from a question is that when you hear someone else talking about their situation, it's already easier for you to come up with the right answer, which might apply to you as well, simply because it's someone else. Someone else's situation, the details are changed, it's not exactly you know, what you would have to do for yourself. And then, if you're creative enough to apply whatever you just came up with in your mind to your own situation, that's great. So if anyone out there listening to a question, for example, thinks, oh, I think the right answer for this question for that lady uh, would be like this and this, think about it. Maybe you could apply that insight that you just had about Shalom Bias to your own situation. And it's easier because you're less emotionally involved. In that person's situation, you're seeing it more objectively. So that's, that's first of all. So listening to questions is very important um, for those reasons. Now, let's talk, let's talk a minute about the role of a wife. Okay, now... It's probably true that I could read a lot of this question the other way around. Suddenly you have a husband who's too bossy and controlling and making too many demands and being too tough and a wife who's very soft and tolerating it and being very respectful and going along with whatever's being asked and, and it could be a problem. It could be a problem. It's not a question that it could be a problem. Sometimes people will take advantage of a soft and pleasant wife and, and a husband is being too demanding and too controlling and not, not being nice enough. So it's not a question that whatever I'm going to say now might be applicable for people on the other side of the situation as well. However, when it comes to being a wife, right, it's something I talk about often, there's, there's a role of a woman, there's a role of a wife. There is. When, when, we, when we hear about a, a woman who's wearing the pants in the house, there's something wrong with it. Even if it's, even if it's accepted, even if it's being taken well, even if it's being tolerated. Ingeman tells me recently that after he got married, a family member who knew his wife before that says, how are you managing with her? He's like, what do you mean? He said, your wife is very tough, and I'm sure she's making all the decisions in, in your house, in your marriage. And he tried to deny it and say, no, it's fine, what do you mean? No, it's not like that. And the relative said, no, you're not going to fool me. Your wife is very tough. A woman's not supposed to be so tough. That's what this relative told him. That's when it hit him that, you know, maybe she's too tough. And, and it wasn't that that person was bringing him in doubts that he didn't have. He knew that it was a problem. He just didn't realize that other people knew it. But what happens is when somebody's naturally very tough, it could cause a problem. Because, and especially when it's a woman who's not supposed to be so tough. A wife is not supposed to be making decisions and controlling things. So even if it's being taken well, or even if that husband is letting it happen, for example, it's a problem by itself. 
And that's why on some level, and I know a lot of people are not going to like hearing this. Ready? Sometimes on some level, that's why it would be better the other way around, which means if there would have to be, and, and again, control, I have to give my disclaimers before people write me emails about this. When one person is controlling the other, it's never good. When two people are in a relationship and they're not um, being considerate of each other and taking each other seriously and making decisions together and, and, and sharing and being flexible and making room for one another, it's a problem. It's a problem. No matter what, like I said before, even if the husband would be the one controlling. However, if it would have to be one way or the other, in other words, if you have a choice between either a husband wearing the pants and making decisions and calling the shots or a wife doing it, even when the other one will be fine with it, right? It's either a husband um, controlling the house and the wife being okay with it, or the wife controlling the house and the husband being okay with it. It's less healthy when it's the wife controlling the house and calling the shots and the husband being okay with it. Because Hashem made us that the husband should be wearing the pants. Now, wearing the pants doesn't mean he should be controlling. Wearing the pants doesn't mean he should be putting anyone down, Chaz But at the same time, it's worth the, the lopsidedness of a household where the woman, the mother, is controlling everything going on. And the, and, the, and the husband's tagging along. And the, and the children grow up seeing this. And everything's now you know, running in a way where when she's nervous, she screams at him, but, but he would never do that. There's something wrong with that. And I've seen many homes and many marriages that fell apart when it was this way, as opposed to the other way, you see it less often. Again, it's not good. It's never good. I don't mean to encourage anyone to be controlling or to make believe it's fine. But there's something wrong with the dynamics of a woman being too strong. Saying that, that's who I am, this is my nature, my husband's okay with it, what can we do? There's, there's something wrong with it. So, so being aware and, and realizing that it's a problem is definitely something that, that, that's to be mentioned. Okay? And, and let's just talk for a minute about respect, which is also something you mentioned over here about respecting, which is something you mentioned all the way at the end. A husband needs to respect a wife and a wife needs to respect a husband. The kind of respect that we see in the Torah and the Rambam and, and, and the way the Torah marriage is supposed to be is different. There's respect about being respectful to someone and there's respect, of, respect that you give to your father. A wife has to respect a husband, not because he demands it, right? You say, I want to respect him, but, and he told me he really wants it, but, he, but, but it's hard for me because he doesn't ask for it. He doesn't have to tell you he wants it, even in a vulnerable moment, and he doesn't have to demand it. There's something you have to do, it's about you, not about him. Now, it could be hard, and I'm not saying it's not hard. I think it's more, I think it's more meaningful, and it's more commendable when it's hard. I don't mean to say, oh, so it's hard for you, too bad. No, it's hard. Everything that's hard is, is very chushiv. Uh, you know, definitely something to be something to be uh, commended for. Being respectful one's hard, but respect has nothing to do with him asking for it or demanding it or making it happen. It's something you have to do. Now, if being respectful is hard for you to express, it's hard for you to to say respectful things, and respect has nothing to do with uh, what you say necessarily. But I'm saying sometimes you could you could write it down. Sometimes you could. Uh, there's different ways to to express respectful feelings and and the kind of feelings that a wife should be expressing to a husband. But it has nothing to do with well, it's hard for me, so I can't do it. So I'm just mentioning it. It's hard. Now, what I will say, and that is something that I'm, I'm very impressed with, I'm very impressed with somebody writing this, and, and that's the self-awareness. Now, you end up saying that, you know, I reread what I just wrote, and it paints me as a very bad person. First of all, I don't think you're bad, I don't think you're mean, I don't think you're bossy with no feelings. I don't think so. So don't get too, too self-critical over there. Right? That's what we start off with. You know, being too self-critical is no good, and then you just throw in the towel and say, you know, if this is what I am anyway, then why should I even try? And I heard people say that. No, I'm anyway no good when somebody says some criticism. Oh, so I'm anyway no good, so why am I even trying? You don't even know how hard I'm trying. You can be trying very hard, and it's okay if somebody tells you, you can be doing things better. So, so, but, but I don't think you're a bad person at all. And like I said before, sometimes a husband will notice that I'm being too bossy and too tough and, and mean, and it's a problem. But self-awareness is tremendous. 
It's tremendous. The first step of ever getting anywhere in life is being self-aware. And it's something that we all struggle with. We all struggle with it because the, the, everyone's only as aware as they are. So there's almost always things that we don't see. There's blind spots. There's blind spots. You know, when somebody says, um, everyone has their blind spots, but I, 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 I'm pretty aware of my blind spots. I understand where they are. We all have blind spots and we don't know where they are. But some people are more in denial than other people. Some people don't even know what their problem is. So when somebody could write and say, listen, this is my problem. I'm very tough. I come across sounding bossy. I come across sounding controlling. I know that it would be nicer to say it this way. It's very hard for me. Uh, I wish I could, but, but that, that's wonderful. It's wonderful to be self-aware. Don't push that away. So often, because we can't come up with the right solution, it's easier to now paint a different picture and say, no, I'm not really bossy, I'm not really mean, I really do say it nice, I really want to say it nice, and my husband doesn't, anyway doesn't care. And, and, and to, make us, to make ourselves feel better, we often push away a reality instead of dealing with it or facing it and being pained by it. So that's the first thing. I think that denial of any shortcomings is worse than is worse than the problem itself, and that's what helps. That's what makes people get stuck and not, and not be helped. So I'll, I'll I'll commend you for being very self-aware, very self-aware, and I'll admit that you're right. You do sound um, commanding, like you said. You do sound a little I won't say mean, but you, you definitely come across sounding a little bossy and demanding, and and you're right. You're right, it's okay. That if this is your problem, then you're going to deal with it, and you're not going to deny it, and not going to say, well, I can't I can handle how that made me sound. <laughs> you know, you're right, that's how it made you sound. And like I said before, for a wife to be like this, um, as opposed to a husband, could be a little worse. And if you say that when I'm hearing people try to deal with a bossy husband, I'd rather be that way, I understand you. Because maybe that's a little, a little. it, it looks a little better, it looks the way it should be, that the one driving is the one driving, and not someone holding the steering wheel, and the other person telling the way to go. So that's, that's not a question. Now, let's get a little more practical and try to be helpful. Say like this. There's no way to change our nature. Now, people don't like when I say that. I wrote a cipher about this. in Because I wrote a book about personalities and the struggles that people have based on their personalities and relationships, a lot of people always ask me the question, can't you change your personality? And the answer is no. You can't change your personality. You can't have a different personality. But you can work on yourself. You can change your behaviors. The, the difference between changing your personality and changing your behaviors is as follows. Changing your personality would mean that there's something you could do that's going to make you into a soft and tolerant, easygoing person who just doesn't care about certain things and just take things very calmly and simply the way someone else might. You can't do that. When you're feeling a certain way, more rigid and intense, it's probably based on your nature, and that's what your nature is going to try to get you to do. Because that's who you are, that's how you were wired, and that's what you could have seen in the crib, on a baby, on nature. However, when you slowly program yourself differently, and you try to overcome that nature, and do things that are hard for you, and do it in baby steps, also something we spoke about before, Dalai the significance of small deeds, small actions, then slowly it becomes easier for you. And this is what people always tell me about their Mylach and Settle Coat in 40 days, you do something and it becomes a Teva Shiny, it means that it become, you become accustomed to it. So if something is hard for you, and you do it often, it becomes easier. It doesn't become natural necessarily, it doesn't become the, the typical natural and easiest thing for you to do, like for someone else, but it becomes easier for you to do. So if something's hard for you, blaming it on your nature and say, I can't change, that's silly. Trying to come up with a way to change your nature is also silly. But doing what you could do to slowly inch forward and do, do things in a better way and behave in a way that maybe not is so easy, maybe will never even be easy, but it's more right. You know, that's something you want to do. Now, it starts with self-awareness. I know that I have this problem. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to try one day, two days, 40 days, 100 days to, to do things a little different. 
because I know it's a problem. In other words, I understand that when my husband comes home, just as an example, I know that when my husband comes home harassing him right away with a baby or, or you know, making him take everything over before he has a chance to calm down is no good. I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to behave differently even though it's hard for me. But I'm so stressed out. I know I am. I'm going to acknowledge that I am. I'm also going to acknowledge that it's probably not nice to just throw something at someone when he comes home after a day of work. And I'm going to do something a little different. I'm not going to wait two hours for him to settle in and feel good and then ask him for a favor because that's too much for me. That's probably not right either. But I'm going to wait those 15 minutes. Or I'm going to ask him if he's okay if I, if I give him 15 minutes and then he helps me. Now, asking him is not easy for me. I want to tell him. But I'll ask him anyway. And that's what self-awareness is about. And that's what working on yourself is about. It's about doing what's hard for you. Now, one of the things that I, that I think is very important over here, for two reasons, is, is, the, is the open communication. And that's, that's amazing. In other words, when you communicate openly with your husband about this, and you say that you do, and it helps you show him bias, and, and I think it's also wonderful. When you tell your husband, listen, I know that sometimes I get stressed out, and this is the way I communicate, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's the right thing to do. So I'm going to try to work on it. When, when you say that, as hard as it is to say, even before you actually work on it, he could already feel better. Because he knows that you're not fooling yourself or expecting something of him or upset at him or thinking that there's something wrong with him. He understands that, you know, you're stressed out and you're telling this to me because you're stressed out and I'm hoping that one day we could overcome this challenge and deal with it differently, but at least I know. At least I know. I think I spoke about this in the past. You want to you want to vent to someone. You want to you you let off some steam and talk about how, how difficult your day was. Sometimes it comes out as... You know, where were you and why didn't you help me? And now you have to start arguing with me and give me all your explanations. And then I get even more frustrated. What do you mean? This is what you tell me. Why, why can't you just let me? Why can't you just hear me? Why do you always have to answer me? But, but how, how should someone know that? It sounded like you were complaining and, and, and uh, being critical. If you start off the conversation saying, listen, I don't think you're at fault for my difficult day. And I understand there's no way that you could have known that I would be stuck somewhere without a way to get home. But if you don't mind, just listen to me. It was so frustrating. I felt I'm going to plot. I didn't know what to do. And I was making phone calls. Then my phone died and I didn't have money. When you gave that little introduction and somebody realized that it's not about them and they're not going to take it personally, it's easier for them to hear you out. It's even easier for them to be, to be treated disrespectfully when they know that you understand and admit that it's not really the right way to do things and we're going to work on it. So that's the first thing, being open about it. Another thing about open communication is it helps you deal with it now that you know that it was put on the table and it's harder to deny. You know, I understand there's not the way to do things. I'm going to work on it. But back to the general idea that when you understand something's a problem and you don't justify it, I think that's also something very important. So often, I see people do this. They get into this nasty mode or stressed out mode and, and they justify it with everything that, that's going to explain why they're feeling this way. I'll tell you, people write to me emails. Um, I get a lot of emails a day. And I always invite more. So you can send me questions and comments and critique and stomach aches and whatever you have, you can send me. And compliments for those who want. Um, now people who write me emails, either they're complaining about their spouse, could be men about women or women about men, or it's people complaining about something I said in the share, for example. And it's not what they say. It's the tone. It's the tone of voice. It's the, it's the way you express yourself. If you, if you give a long rant with anger and resentment and frustration, even if you're going to explain somewhere in your writing, and you know why I'm feeling this way because it's so long already that it's happening, and, and I know it sounds terrible, but this is really how I feel, and, I, and I'm an honest person, and I'm not going to hide it. It's, it's wonderful. You explained everything. You explained why you're being nasty, why you're being critical, why you're sounding condescending and pessimistic and, and, and everything else. Okay? But, it's, but it's, it's, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't read well. It doesn't read well. There are times that I read emails and I'm thinking, oh, it's a good thing I don't live with that person. It's a good thing I don't live with that person. 
Now, that person has right to be frustrated. That, that person has right to be upset. And, and the same thing, even that person's upset at me. Yeah, that person's upset at me. So either you said some, something you said in the shir, or some, some guidance that you gave, or whatever it is, but something about the tone of voice that makes me think, whoa, I'm happy, this is just an email. I wouldn't want to live with this person. But don't you see why the person's so frustrated? Yes, I do, and I still don't want to live with this person. Think about it. So there's something to think about, you know. Pe- people like, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but I think I repeated it already a few times. Good people are liked. Nasty people with justifications are not liked. It's something to think about. Now, some people say, but it's my nature, it's my this. You're right, you're right. It's not always easy for everyone to be so pleasant and easygoing. But just think about it. Explaining why you're being rigid, or explaining why you're being nasty, or explaining why you're frustrated, or why you have the right to, to come across in, 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 a, in a mean way, is it, you, you could be right. You could be right. But it's not just about being right or successful. You could be right, but, but it's not pleasant. Nobody wants to be near someone who's, who's, who's not pleasant. So it's hard for you, I understand. It takes a lot of work, I'm not judging you. You want to start in baby steps, that's fine as well. But the denial or the justification and the rationalization for being um, 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 critical, mean, or just unpleasant is not going to get you anywhere, it's not going to help anyone. So again, being self-aware is a, is a gift. It's the key to getting anywhere in life. Working on things is, is wonderful, and I think you'll get there even if it's hard for you. And, and open communication and explaining yourself, and not denying it, or letting it out on someone else, or the backup of, you know, but, but, but listen, but at the end of the day, I'm very frustrated, that's something to think about. So, I understand that it's very hard, and sometimes you feel like you're plotting, right? sometimes you feel like you're, but I'm plotting, I, I, I know. But the fact that you feel like you're plotting, and it's hard for you to say it in a nice way, and you don't end off, well, what you actually say, you say, I know I should say it like this, but I'm thinking this, and you didn't say what you actually say. But when you're, just because you're plotting, it doesn't, it doesn't make it more pleasant or even justify saying something in a nasty tone. Certainly not to a husband, who you should be respecting. Now, one of the problems that, that people um, have is that I want to say it right, but I can't say it the real right way anyway. In other words, I want to express appreciation. I heard people say this about appreciation. I want, I want to express appreciation, but I don't know how to do it. It's not going to come out right. Which is just say thank you. It's like, right, thank you so much. It meant so much to me. It doesn't sound right. No, I want to do it the right way. I can't come up with the right way, so I'm not going to do it. Many people get stuck on that, that that all or none kind of thing. Like, I want to do it the right way. I want to tell my husband, I know it's a Shabbos, it's a stressful time. It would mean so much to me if you could do this to me. I can't say it that way. So you know what I'm just going to say? Why can't you help me? Oh, there's a middle way. Yeah, but the middle way, Nishtasant, I want to say it the right way, and I can't. Don't do that. Do what you could do. Just be a little more pleasant and try hard. And tell your husband you're trying. Tell him that I know Fridays are stressful. Tell him Thursday or Wednesday. I know Fridays are stressful. I know sometimes I come across in a, in a mean tone and say things in a way that I shouldn't. I'm going to work on it. And if I say something critical, just don't be offended, and I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll try to work on it. Or we can discuss Masa Shabbos or whatever. Now, I know it's, it's hard to be that vulnerable, but, but try it. And I'm saying, again, it's not only wife to husband, it's husband to wife as well. Be clear. Say, I know I come home late. I know it stresses you out. I'll be honest with you, I know I shouldn't do it. I'm working on it. When I come home late, you know, please just, just don't attack me for it, and don't be offended by it, and don't think that it means I didn't think about it. I know it's wrong. I'm going to keep on trying. Be open about something. Communicate about it. Don't deny it. And, and slowly you'll get places. Even if you're not going to get there 100% too quickly. Now, let me, talk, let, me, let me mention something about helping at home. Because this is something I see that a lot of women have an issue with this. And I'm also married. Um, and it's like this. You know, at, at the end of the day, aside from the fact that you didn't marry a mind reader, which is something I, I talk about a lot, and I gave, I gave a lot of shurim already on communication. You didn't marry a mind reader. It doesn't matter what your mind is telling you. It doesn't matter how loud your mind is screaming to you about how wrong or right something is. You did not marry a mind reader. You could be screaming in your head and nobody's hearing it. 
Okay, so there's something you want, whether it's a gift or it's a anything, or some help or some whatever it may be. It, it's it's probable that somebody else won't know it. But isn't it simple? Doesn't everyone know it? I, I don't know. Seemingly not. <laughs> seemingly not. Seemingly not everyone knows it. So that's first of all. If anyone knows it, I don't know. You know it. But to assume that you might be a mind reader, that's for sure. Um, that's for sure very wrong. That, that's first of all. Now, with, in regard to this issue of helping at home, this is so common. At the end of the day, the woman runs the home. Whether it's Chachmus Nushim Bon Sabaisa, or Zakera Sabaisa, whatever Pustik or Chazal you want to put about it, the woman runs the home. I understand you're working as well, but the woman runs the home. The woman runs the home. People don't like hearing it. Why do I have to run the home? Shouldn't you be running it? It's our house. The woman runs the home. She runs the kitchen, she runs the laundry, she runs the responsibilities, she often runs the, the, the getting up rituals and the bedtime rituals. Not on her own, but she runs the home. There's a certain running the home that this is her domain. Now, there are people that want to control that domain, there are people that don't want to have anything to do with it, but at the end of the day, a lot of it has to do with the woman. Some homes are, are run differently, that's fine, as long as it's done with mutual understanding and uh, you know, pleasant attitude, but, but very often that's how it is. So if you want someone to help you with something that... That it's your domain. There's a way to communicate about that. That person might not know what you need. Now, here's where people get stuck already, that knee-jerk reaction. Help me? You're helping me? It's not my house. At the end of the day, very often, the woman is the one that sets up the home for Shabbos, cleans the home after Shabbos, knows what has to be done for Pesach, and things like that. And very often, if, if somebody would do things under, in their own way, not in the way that you want, you'd get, you'd get resentful. What do you mean? Why are you doing this? That's not how I want it done. Yeah, I thought it's our house. The answer is because the woman runs the home. And if a woman is running the home, then it's fine for a woman to understand that, yes, somebody's helping you. Helping me? Helping you doesn't mean that that person, that you're indebted, and that person just did a major thing, and that you owe them the world for it. Helping you means they happen to be helping you in a technical way. They're helping you. They're doing what you want done, and they're doing it in a way. And, and to be honest, if you would just say, you know what, I surrender the whole thing, and I don't care what happens, they might do things very differently. Your husband might not care if things are taken care of, and he's doing it because of you at the end of the day. And if you have a very hard time saying the word thank you when somebody's not really helping me, it's not really a help to me, it's for us and things like that, you have an issue because saying thank you shouldn't be hard. And same thing with everything. If your wife is making you supper and you have an issue saying thank you, she shouldn't make it for me, she made it for family. I'll say thank you. There's something wrong with having a problem saying thank you. And we spoke about this in the past. Okay? So someone is helping you, they're helping you. And when they want to help you on your terms because they don't know what to do, then fafal, it would be gishmaker. And one of the reasons it's gishmaker when somebody knows what to do on their own because they don't have to say thank you. Clean up and I'm just looking the other way. No, they want to help you. Say thank you. I would appreciate if you clean the dining room. I would appreciate if you put these things away. I would appreciate if you first do that and then take care of this. That's it. If, if telling you this means that I have to be vulnerable and make it sound like I'm asking for a favor, so be it. If telling you that will mean that I might have to say the words thank you, so be it. Go ahead. Very many men tell me on the other side of the, of the equation over here, I want to help, ask my wife, should I do this? Do what you want. Should I take care of that? Whatever you want. Don't you see what has to be done? Why are you just sitting around? Well, I ask you if I should do something. Well, after the, what's all the miscommunication about? Just, just say it. So often a man's doing nothing because he asked if he could help and he got some kind of weird answer. Or he got a no. So say it. So I understand you want your husband to do things on his own. I understand it's not gishmak for you to have to ask. I understand that you feel like you're plotting, but it's such a typical issue. When you hear that everyone has the same thing, just deal with it. Say, husband, it would mean so much to me. Keep you take care of this? Thank you so much. And everyone's happy. You wish it would be differently? I wish a lot of things. I, I wish somebody would always be reading my mind. I would never have to communicate anything to anyone. I wish I wouldn't have to record this shurim and everyone would just read my mind and know it on their own. <laughs> it takes time. But it doesn't work like that. You have, you have to share how you're feeling. So that's... 
that's definitely an issue. And um, you know, I, I hope you don't have an issue with somebody helping you. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. We all help each other in this world. So if somebody's helping you, it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. It doesn't mean you did anything right. It doesn't mean that you owe them anything. It just means that you say thank you. Uh, one more thing that I do want to mention is that is about space. You know, you, you need space. You come home with your kids and you're stressed out and your husband comes home and you just want to have your space. We spoke about space. I spoke about it, I think, a week ago in the Yiddish year. Space is important. Everyone needs space. Communicate about it. Once again, communicate. I need space. You need space. Let, let's work this out. When you come home, I'll give you 15 minutes to eat and I'll take my space. I'll, I'll go into a room. I'll take a walk. Take your space. Don't, don't get resentful about these things. Communicate about them. And don't deny that they're an issue. It is an issue when you throw things at someone. But I'm stressed out. I know you are. Again, just be self-aware. So I think uh, one of uh, a little takeaway message is that you, you're not bad. You're not bad. I, I don't. I don't see you as you see yourself as mean, bossy, and bad. I, I don't. I don't see you as bad. Um, and it could be that if I was addressing your husband, this is something I say often. It could be if your husband was writing into me, I would say, you know what? Maybe be a little more creative and try to figure out what your wife wants. Maybe communicate to her in a way that she feels more taken care of and less resentful and she doesn't have to feel like she's plotting. It could be. But being that the shirim that I always talk about is what could you do to help yourself? And you're the one writing to me. I'm telling you what you could do. You can communicate. You could try to help yourself. You could work on yourself. And that's, that's all you could do. And everything I always share is about what you could do. Lately, somebody writes to me an email. Um, I don't understand my husband because my husband's talking to you and he's doing things wrong. And he should be doing things better. And you always say that the shirim are all about what could I do? Well, he's not doing that. I mean, I, you got the joke? Someone's telling me that my husband should be doing things differently because you always talk about what I, I could do. Again, what he could do, what you could do. Everyone should always try to be getting, what could I do? And if you can't come up with a healthy answer of what you could do to make your relationship better, then, then you're already in the, wrong, in the wrong place in the game. No matter what someone... Yeah, but he also was told what he should do and he's not doing it. That's not your business. And maybe it's your business, but it's not going to help you. So, if you're being more mean or bossy or demanding or critical or disrespectful to your husband, there's a lot that you could do to make this work. Okay? What he could do, there's a lot that he could do as well. And if you're going to focus on what you could do, you're always a winner. And when I can focus on what I could do, you can focus on what you could do. And then whoever else is listening to this can focus on what they can do. That's what could help us Mitzvah, overcome any challenge, any natural difficulty, any communication challenge, any, any interpersonal conflict, anything. Because what, what can I do? Is there something I can do differently? When you think about that and you focus on that, then the significance of every small action, that machta sashayko, that really could tip the scale and make a big change, it's something that will Mitzvah, will help us all live together. Bahava, Agba, Shulam, Arayas.